welcome to the Cigar Cast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We are recording from a rainy Brentwood and Crown Cigars and Ales this week. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Dedman, and I am joined as I am every week by Mr. Shane Reeves. I'm going to get you to rework the intro. You may now refer to me as Sultan of Smoke, Master of the Maduro, <laughs> Slayer of the Savage Sumatra. Any of these things would be fine. Okay, we will we will tool that up in post. Okay, we we'll just go ahead and get that get that edited in there, and I'll. But as you said, I am one of the hosts, and I'll. How's your week going? I am having a fantastic week. I can't even sit down because I can't contain what a good mood I'm in. You're all dressed up this week, the full suit. I know. I'm trying to bring a little class into this establishment. There are uh, two suited gentlemen in here tonight. That doesn't ever happen. I'm wearing my white t-shirt because i've been told after labor day i can no longer wear my white t-shirt <laughs> so i thought but, it was just white pants oh is it okay well good i can still wear this shirt i've stay away from white shirts because i'm too hard on them as a general rule but also you can only wear them half the year i think that only applies in places like the not unlike the south where it stays warm enough throughout most of the year i think you can justify it down here that's good. Well, let's go ahead and light up a cigar tonight. I thought you would never say that. So tell me what you're smoking. I'm smoking Avo Heritage. Oh, the classic. It is a classic, and I don't actually think that I've smoked this on the show before, and it's a shame because I've bought three and smoked three boxes of these throughout the last probably five years or so. I absolutely love this cigar because you get that just spicy up front. It's the boldest cigar that Avo makes, or at least it was before the Fugata, but I still think it's... It's up there, maybe even stronger than the Nicaraguan. I was talking to a fellow about cigars this morning. We were actually discussing Avo, and I honestly believe cigar for the money and cigar that won't overpower you, it's hard to beat the Avo line. It really is. You know, they're not known for their strength, but what I like about the heritage is that you bring it brings so much flavor to the party that if you're a bold smoker, you're going to enjoy the heritage, and for that matter, the Fogato and, and the Nicaraguan Synchro, uh, just because of their flavor profile alone, even though they're not going to blow your head off. Well, and while I was in Mobile, I picked up the Dominant 13, as those on my Facebook page seen. The, uh, he had a box, and the Dominant 13th was a limited release, and I picked up three of them, which I have already smoked too. I'm going to have to save the other one for a special occasion. And tonight, I'm going to be enjoying the Brick House Maduro. I love the Brick House. The Brick House, to me, is just what a cigar should be. It's that perfect, not too expensive. I mean, it most cases will qualify as a cigar under eight, depending on your, you know, check local listings. But the Brick House Maduro is the stronger of the Brick House line, and I just really enjoy that about it. And is that the Mighty Mighty? size that you've got there this is the mighty mighty i have smoked so many of those cigars throughout the years there are just value for money you can't beat it and i think it was like a 92 or 93 in cigar aficionado so and it's really hard to go wrong it's just a great smoke i mean it's just a great smoke for whatever you're doing whether you want to relax with a cigar i kind of put la aurora brick house and the don pepin stuff the blue the cuban classic i kind of put all those in that same class of cigars that you could smoke every day they're not going to break the bank right 
And the nice thing about the brick house is you can smoke it in the kayak or on the beach or on the golf course. And if you drop it in a in the water or in a big old thing of goose poop, you you're not broken hearted about it. Right. You miss the cigar, but you don't re- miss the money that much. Exactly. I'm just trying to get a little fire applied to tobacco here. I noticed that you're back using... Is that the third version of that lighter that you've had replaced? Is Th- This is only the second one. Okay. There will not be a third one. If this lighter goes out, I've been assured by the owner of my local brick and mortar that he will... That will upgrade. Oh, there we go. I'll just pay the upgrade fee. It's a Vertigo, or excuse me, it's a Lotus, and it's dual flame. It has a jet as well as a soft flame. The single jet, not my favorite way to light a cigar, so I rarely use the single jet, but I bought it so that I would have a upscale um, soft flame lighter. The single jet for me is great because it gives you the ability to do little touch-ups. And also, this whole quad, triple, 16-jet crap that I'm seeing that a lot of manufacturers are doing right now is just unnecessary. You Maybe you need to, but I find a single jet will light just about everything that I smoke. Now, granted, you smoke a lot more 6x60s than I do, so there's probably a little bit more reason to have a, a triple flame for you, but... My, in my opinion, dollar for, you know, dollar for dollar, what you pay versus what you get, and spend in, in butane. I'm, I love a, a, a good single flame, but you're right, the soft or single torch, but the soft flame for me is definitely the way to go all the way around. Well, and also, I was reading Aficionado this week, and Brickhouse is now introducing something different. It's a double Connecticut. Which is a different taste. The cigar's so nice, they wrapped it twice. I guess. <laughs> it's Nicaraguan filler, and it's available in the standard six sizes. And the Mighty Mighty, which is like the one I'm smoking, is MSRP, seven bucks. Not bad at all. And I'm They not... have six sizes of brick house? Oh, yeah. We I've have... only ever seen two. In any brick and mortar I've ever seen, it's always been the Mighty Mighty and the Robusto. Those are the only two sizes of that cigar. I thought that was all they made it in. Corona Larga, Robusto, Short Torpedo, Toro, Churchill, and Mighty Mighty. Well, I'll be darned. But I think, you know, that's one of the things that you need to analyze as a cigar smoker is what size of a particular cigar suits you. Mm-hmm. Not just from a palate standpoint, but also from just a, a physics standpoint. You know, <laughs> you don't like a really large ring-gauge cigar, but I do. How big is your mouth? Yeah, I, I tend to enjoy that brick house. That 6 by 60 or bigger is always one of my favorites. And I, and I think it's because I try to limit myself to one cigar in the evening, so I usually want it to be a big one. Well, I was forced with that choice when I went in the humidor tonight to pick what I was going to smoke for the show, and it took a lot of self-control not to go for that Rocky Nicaraguan, or that Romeo Nicaraguan. I've already smoked on the show, so I didn't go for it again. But my goodness, that's what I wanted tonight. Uh, but one of the things I was looking at with the Avo Heritage, they had the Toro Special as well as the Toro in there. And I picked up the Toro Special, but it was just it was a little bit bigger. So I think it's it's close to a 6x60. I think it's like a 58 by 55 or something like that. And it was just a little too big. And I just, just holding it in my hand, I was like, you know what? I, this doesn't feel comfortable tonight. Well, and so let's break it down into the physics of the cigar. The Lancero is going to give you the most wrapper flavor. You'll get more wrapper flavor out of your Lancero, whereas your Gordos and your 6x60s and bigger, you are going to taste more filler. 
I've also noticed lately I've been on a budget and I've been buying more big ring gauge cigars like that for that same reason, trying to stretch it a little further. And I feel like I don't get the flavor and I don't I don't get the the plumage of smoke. I feel like I have a harder time drawing. It tends to be a little looser. I'm not not enjoying the draw of the smoke as much. Well, and I have got some of the 7x70s in various brands that I could just tell had way too much filler in them. Where they, you know, they wanted to keep the price down, so they kept the Lajero to a minimum, and they ended up with a lot more filler. Um, you know, Asylum does a lot of big ring gauge stuff. Yeah. And I enjoy the the Ogre is one of my favorite cigars. It's a 7x70, and it's Candela Barber Pole. And it seems to be a good flavor all the way through, but I think they use the candela, that sharpness of the candela, to make up some. Whereas the straight jacket in the 7x70 tends to taste a little more of filler than actually wrapper or binder. Yeah, and there's, and and that makes sense uh, to a certain extent, it, just in terms of of trying to figure out where you're going to get that value for dollar. But it's also I think about like I cook a lot, and. You know, one of the things that I am notorious for, or at least I used to be, I've gotten it under control now, is bland lasagna. Stay with me. I'm going somewhere, I promise. So I used to make lasagna, and the, or the first couple of times I made lasagna, it was not salty at all. It was just, I could not get it to taste right. And it's because I was making my regular spaghetti sauce the normal way, which uh, nothing is measured, but I've got it down to a science. And I wasn't accounting for the fact that I was adding the cheese and the ricotta and the noodles, and so I was diluting it down, and so what salt was in my sauce was no longer enough to flavor the whole dish. I feel like it's the same thing when it comes to filler, binder, and wrapper. When you get to those bigger sizes of cigars, that wrapper is your salt. That's where you're going to get that that flavor, but the, the strength of flavor. And so when it becomes a smaller ratio, you end up with a little bit harder time tasting it. Well, you know, and I love a Puro and where everything comes from one region. I really enjoy, you know, Padrones are all Puros, the new Grand Puro from General, the Punch. Those are all great cigars, but there is something to be said for mixing that flavor palette. And, and that's, that's where you end up with Master Blenders. I mean, that's what makes someone a master blender is being able not to just the various types of leaves, not the various, you know, clippings of leaves or primings, I guess I should be technical, um, but also the different regions. You know, everybody, Jalapa is different from Esteli and Dominican Republic is different from Nicaragua. And there's, there, that is the art of being a blender. And the art of being a blender is, I believe, more challenging to make the same cigar than it is to make a good cigar once. Absolutely, because anyone can make a good cigar. It's like the Daffy Duck thing. I'm glad you liked it because I can only do it once. Yeah, I could, you know, you put enough monkeys and typewriters in a room kind of thing, Um, but it's that consistency. It's knowing what you did and how to replicate it, especially with an agricultural product, which is as wide, varied, and different as which day the sun decided to come out that week. And also, a quick lasagna tip for those out there. I always, for every pound of ground beef, put a half a pound of hot Italian sausage and mix that in my sauce, and that seems to take care of the salt problem. Well, there we go. That's a, that's a Cigar Cast top tip of the week. I like it. <laughs> if you're having a cigar with your lasagna, mix Italian sausage in there. It'll be better. 
But speaking of news of cigars this week. Were we? Well, we're getting there. Okay. <laughs> um, so recently here in Nashville, they opened a Casa de Monte Cristo. I've made several trips up there. I've really enjoyed it. Have you made it over there yet? Again, thank you for the invite. Yeah. So you haven't made no, it over there yet? No, I have not. Yet. Well, they have their own by Altadis, Casa de Monte Cristo is, but they have all brands of cigars in there. Just a great lounge. They really seem to have figured out the cigar lounge and the formula that makes it a place for a gentleman's rest. Mm-hmm. And can, can I just say, speaking of which, uh, I couldn't help but notice when I walked into Crown Cigars today that Austin has redecorated uh, our, our normal home above the high top tables here in the corner is is replaced with these low three cha- The place looks great. I think he's stumbled on something here. He's done a great job. I think the next challenge he's going to have to... Is us trying to play poker on those tall tables? Oh, no. We played poker over here tonight. Oh, okay. Or last night. We had to move the poker game. But that does bring me... The next challenge he's going to face is lighting and getting the lighting correct in the cigar shop. But he has added two new smoke eaters in here. And it's making a, a huge difference. Yeah, it's he's really done a great job. And it's great when you have an owner that really understands the cigar business. And cares about the environment he's creating and whether people want to be a part of it or not. And you can get... Now, this is a question. I like a very well-lit room. But bars, by definition, tend to be a little darker for ambiance. Do you prefer the darkness, or do you like a little lighter? Um, honestly, it's a day-to-day thing. I tend to prefer it to be a little bit brighter. Uh, the reason for that is that just that my night vision's not that great. And so I get really frustrated when I can't see. Like camping, for example, I get really kind of frustrated when the lanterns go out and that sort of thing, trying to stumble in around. I like being able to see. So... So I would, especially over here in our corner, and I, I'm glad that you threw that caveat out there. So now at least when our uh, listeners see the Instagram post for this week, they'll know why it's a little grainy. Um, but it's a little dark over here for my taste, but, you know, it's, it's not my shop. It's all about the environment, but his mother and I were discussing pendulum lights last night and how that could be easily used to enhance the ambiance. But coming back to cigars... Well, you, you had mentioned... So I, I kind of derailed us by talking about Crown here, but you were talking about Casa de Monte Cristo and how they've got a great great lounge set up his, his, over at Nashville in... Uh, was it the Gulch? Yeah, it's in the Gulch. So uh, how's the ventilation? What is it about that shop that you think they got it right? The ventilation's great. Um, the humidor is set in a really good place, whereas traffic from the humidor doesn't necessarily go straight through where everybody's smoking. You go in the humidor, they actually have the register inside the humidor, which I'm interested to see what the long-term effects of that on the register are. <laughs> Probably but, pretty good. I don't know. I don't know how well the humid environment will react with electronics. But compared to the smoke? Got to be better. I would think so. But then their lounge is off to the side, and they do have a full bar there, everything like that. So if you do want to enjoy a scotch with your cigar or something, it's very doable to to actually go there and do that. But they just opened two new locations, one in Arizona and one in Florida. I was actually at another shop last night uh, over by my house, and I was talking... Eh. (laughs) 
Well, I'm driving. I'm driving a truck this week because I'm moving this weekend, and so gas mileage is was a factor. So I decided to stick close to home so I could afford two cigars that night. And uh, I was, there was a guy in there who actually owns a shop in South Florida, um, over near Frontier, so West Miami. And I wish I could remember the name of the shop. Um, really nice guy, but we were talking about the fact that they just opened a Casa Monte Cristo down there. And he said, you know what, I'm not worried about it. And that's a, that's a big fear. I've heard both sides from some of the cigar owners around here. And, and Tony, who owns Reserva that I was at last night, he said the same thing. You know, he's, he's catering to a different demographic. People that go down to the Gulch to smoke are not going to come out here to smoke. Um, but it seems like, you know, when you've got the buying power of Altidus, it can be a little scary if you're a business owner nearby. But it seems like they're, they're just filling a niche that maybe doesn't exist. Well, and here's the, here's the beauty of the free market economy system we live in. If they come in and put in a great cigar lounge, you have two choices. Shut down or be as good as they are. So we as the cigar smoker reap the benefits far more because, you know, the, the Altadis being part of it, they are able to, and having the buying power of now eight stores, they're able to offer cigars at a lower price than they are at our, our local brick and mortar. Mm-hmm. That being said, I'm not going to drive an extra 20 miles and try to park in the gulch to pay $2 less per stick. Thank you, Professor. Um, there, well, it's funny you mention that because I was actually reading or watching a video online uh, yesterday that explained this very phenomenon. It's like, you know how you can go... 13 miles down the road and not see a single gas station and then there's four on one corner and you see that a lot with fast food restaurants and car dealerships they all sort of clump together and there's a a principle of economics uh, that talks about the batch median um, as opposed to the socially accepted solution or something like that Um, it's late in the evening but basically if you've got a, a geographical region and multiple competitors if, if you try and stagger everyone out in a concentric distance from one another where there are some overlapping territories, eventually someone's going to try and move into someone else's territory and cause some, some shifts to the point that what ends up happening is basically they all migrate to the middle so that there's no way for anyone to gain advantage over the other person and it allows the consumers to come to whoever's proximally closer to them. And that's why you kind of end up with these clumps of similar businesses. So, because to your example, I'm not going to go up to Hendersonville to smoke in that shop if I don't have to be up there already. I'm not going to come down here if I don't have to be. And so it gets susses out its own audience. Well, and it's it goes back, of course, you know me, I'm always going to bring it back to wrestling. We, I feel like we should uh, make a loud noise to wake up everyone. I just bored to sleep with that story. <laughs> well, I, I said wrestling, okay, so everybody, everybody's ears have now perked up. Do you know how you create a great tag team division in wrestling? Division? like Well, a tag t- wrestling has long had a history of having trouble creating a tag team division because you have two men instead of one. So if one gets injured and you've been pushing the team, you can lose a lot of energy that you've already put into promoting that. So tag team wrestling takes a lot to coordinate a great division, takes a lot of work. Well, the way you create a great tag team division is one great team. You get one great team and you let them come in there and dominate the division, which brings everybody else up to their level. 
Right. And to a degree, exactly what you're talking about with fast food and what I'm talking about with cigar lounges happens. You get one great one, and the cut, the surrounding areas will have to come up to that level. You have now established a new bar. Get stronger or die. That's it. That's the way it, the way it goes down. Now, the good thing is this week they um, has been no legal updates on the FDA thing. We're still looking at a push to 21. Still looking at a push to 21, still looking at a lot of days out, still looking at them pushing back all of the um, cigar registered dates and the Phantom brands and everything we talked about in the last podcast is kind of still on the same course. I should clarify that's a push to 2021 the year, not 21 as a smoking age because we also talked about that. We also covered that. So this week had a great thing. I bought my tickets to the Louisiana Barn Smoker. Is that the first one they're doing in Louisiana? This will be the first one. It is actually in Convent, Louisiana. So being in the... I had a sister there once. You had a sister in a convent? (laughs) Was it a convent before she was your sister, or was she your sister after she went to the convent? It was a joke that is now dead. Thank you, Shane. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Explain the joke and the joke dies. My apologies. But it's in Convent, Louisiana. And the beautiful thing about this era we live in of technology is I thought, where in the world is Convent, Louisiana? So I get on Google Earth. Convent, Louisiana is right next to that great big pipe that they're piping in the sunshine. It's so far back in the sticks. (laughs) This place is literally in the middle of nowhere, which is going to be awesome for the barn smoker. I I booked my hotel early because the nearest hotel is like 30 miles away. Didn't feel like bivouacking it? Yeah, I, 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 we're not going to turn this into the the um, Woodstock of barn smokers. Oh, they should though. Wouldn't that be a great thing? Well, have and, a big and cigar. Drew Estates is, Drew Estates the best company to try and pull that off to. <laughs> but now, this Jonathan, is, if you're listening, just <laughs> you know, just give me a little bit of kickback, and, and you can have that idea. The great thing about it is. The amount of cigars they give you, if you get a chance to go to a barn smoker, take the time and go because the cigars they give you so far outweighs the ticket price. See, I've never been. Well, you're going this year to the Kentucky. But listen to the list of cigars, which this is the way they have to do it now because of the FDA. The Future Farmers of America? No, or the (laughs) First Time Home Buyers Association. (laughs) The Federal Drug Administration. There we go. They have to, they sell you the ticket, and then when you get there, you buy another ticket for $10 to get your cigars. That $10 gets you a Florida sun-grown Toro, a Pappy Van Winkle barrel-fermented Toro, a Pappy limited edition, a Pappy traditional Toro, a Pappy Lionsdale, a Kentucky fire-cured flying pig, a Liga Provado velvet rat, which if you've chased the velvet rat, you know how hard he is to catch. I feel like you're calling a horse race right now. <laughs> and then we got Pappy on the last furlong. Fat Pappy getting rid of a flying pig. Flying pig coming up the outside. And you get the Liga A, which Ooh. I love the Liga A. I love That's that. worth the price of admission alone. Oh, yeah. So this, this $100 a ticket I spend, I'm going to come out way ahead on cigars. And they always give stickers, which I promptly stick on my humidor and everything like that. So I'm very excited about this Louisiana barn smoker and my wife and I being down there for the inaugural one. That's going to be something that'll be... Ho- hopefully they keep doing it so you can go back multiple times and kind of keep have that consistency going of, of being able to go, that be your barn smoker right having been there now the kentucky barn smoker since we did touch on that i'm really looking forward to it 
The Kentucky Barn Smoker, the free cigar list on it, or excuse me, the cigars for $10 list on it, in case the FDA is listening. You also get a Florida Sun-Grown Toro, a Pappy Van Winkle Toro. Then you get the KFC Swamp Rat, KFC Swamp Thing, KFC Just a Friend, Fat Molly Flying Pig, another Velvet Rat, and another A. Wow. That's going to be a good haul. Oh, yeah. So what goes on at these barn smokers is you get there in the morning, and you get to herf around and meet with all of the different people from different parts of the country that have came. Um, You donate to Cigars for Warriors there. If you are going to the barn smoker, bring a handful of cigars to give for Cigars for Warriors. So question about that. Just not the Warriors, the first part of that. Um, And by the way, Cigars for Warriors is a great charity if you guys are looking for someone to donate to that's a great, great organization uh, that really cares about our troops. But um, So everyone's herfing around in the morning, just kind of smoking, getting to know each other. Is is everyone smoking Drew Estate or people bringing in? Are they smoking what they got there? What's kind of the, the etiquette tip on that, I guess I should say? Well, almost everybody's smoking Drew Estate. I can't say I've seen anything there that wasn't Drew Estate. But like my wife, she'll bring a couple of tobacco that we featured last week. Right. Because she likes a flavored cigar. Right. And um, it's still in the neighborhood. Yeah, it's still a Drew Estate cigar. They still got paid. Uh, I'm okay with that. Yeah. I wouldn't go there and smoke a brick house. Right. But everybody's pretty well smoking what they were given there at the at the event. All your local reps from that whole district, everybody from the southeast will be there. Kyle will be there who's been on the show. Jeff Tanell will be there. And if you've never met Jeff, he's really a lot of fun to sit and talk to. It'll be good to see him again. I haven't seen him since he... Uh stop repping up in this area yeah and jonathan drew will be there and if you get the chance to meet jonathan's father gary gary is a great guy he um he never left the 60s you've said before that he's quite a storyteller as well he is he's really interesting he's just a an outstanding guy i really enjoy talking to gary and sharing a little time with him but just um then they break you up into groups and you actually go through the process of them making this cigar they have a station where they explain where the tobacco is grown, how it's planted. Then you go to where it's harvested and how it's actually cured. Then you move on to where they're actually rolling it. When we was at the Florida Barn Smoker, they were actually rolling some cigars right there on site. Oh, wow. So it's really a interesting. If you want to know the nuts and bolts of how the cigar gets out of the dirt and into your mouth, that's really a great process to get you there. Well, I've, I'm really looking forward to it. Like I said, I think it's going to be an eye-opening experience. Um, but I think it's time for us to take a quick break, step aside for a moment, and we will be right back after this. This is Shane Riesel, your Cigar Etiquette Tip of the Week. Dress like a gentleman when you go into your cigar shop doesn't mean you have to be in your most formal attire, but don't come in in basketball shorts, flip-flops, and a ripped t-shirt. Other people are there, they're enjoying their cigar, they're enjoying conversation. At least make the effort to have a nice shirt on. Something you would play golf in would be suitable. And welcome back to the Cigar Cast. One of your hosts, Shane Reeves, sitting here across from the sharp-dressed man. Is that a double Windsor or a single? That is a double Windsor. It's the only knot I tie. 
Oh, very classy. Trey Dedman, all suited and booted, so to speak. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. So, speaking of fashion, this is interesting. This is the cigar comp- cigar industry actually responding to a trend in men's fashion. Men's fashion right now is kind of going to more that slim cut type fashion statement. And as I am modeling at the moment. That's right. And Visol, V-I-S-O-L, I assume it's pronounced Visol, has created a carbon fiber cigar case. So the problem with the three-stick case is it's so bulky, and Visol found out how to make it less bulky by increasing the quality of the particular materials it's made out of. And these cases are sharp. See, I'm trying to pull it up now because you said carbon fiber, my ears perked up. Because as a car nut, there's nothing that makes me happier than carbon fiber. And, you know, my it's just something I've always loved. I love the shape, the weave, and, and I've got several accessories. I've got a Zycar cutter that's the carbon fiber. I just love it. So I, I can't wait to, to see this case. Is it just sleek and like you would expect? It's sleek. It's trim. They've got it in a two-stick. They've got it in a three-stick, and they even have it in a four-stick. Um, my biggest concern, it'll hold a 6x60, six but most of the time when they say they'll yeah. hold a 6x60, six they'll hold a you know 5x54 better. So that's my only concern, but with a price tag on these things of 115 to $160, you know, you're, you're putting an investment into a cigar accessory there to basically carry your cigars around. Yeah, oh, there it is. Oh, man, that thing is good looking. Yeah, it's a it's a slick cigar case, and I I love having the three finger case because I keep it in the truck. It stays in the middle compartment, so sometimes stuff gets dropped on it. I have to have one that I'm sure is going to keep the structural integrity of my cigars alive through it. See, the thing that con- the only thing that concerns me about that, and any racing fans will know what I'm about to say, is that carbon fiber is extraordinarily strong. That's why they can make an entire car out of it. But it is also somewhat brittle. So it's got no give, no flex to it, or very little. So I wonder what would happen if, like, in a shock environment, like dropping something on it, you know, it would have to be something heavy, of course, but, I, you know, I, the potential for it shattering, I wonder if there's a warranty on it or anything. Well, if the fine people at Visol would like to send us one, I'll be happy to load it up with brick houses and drive my truck over it and see how it holds up. You heard it here first. <laughs> and also, relighting the heritage, I see you're enjoying that. You're about halfway down. Is it as good as you remember it? It absolutely is. And it's another one of those cases of, I don't know if it's so good because I'm in such a good mood or if it's so good because it's that good. But it is exactly the cigar I needed tonight. It is really hitting the spot. It's got all the flavors I remember. A little bit of spice, but nothing too overwhelming. It's just the perfect cigar for this evening. Well, and the Brickhouse Maduro that I'm smoking is performing exactly as a Brickhouse performs. I'm maintaining about an inch of ash. Keep in mind out there, if you ash your cigar too often, you will end up with a crooked burn. Uh, I I find I don't want to poop on your point there. Um, I find that tends to 
be more of a symptom of smoking too fast. But I have found that the people that smoke fast are the people that ash fast as well. If you're smoking slow enough to build up a solid ash cap on the end of your cigar, you're probably not going to end up with a solid burn. But if you're one of those people that's ashing every three puffs, you're probably smoking fast enough that it's maybe a chicken and the egg situation. Well, for me, and the quality of cigar is going to determine how much ashing you can actually do. I maintain about an inch of ash on every cigar I smoke. And I kind of wait till it's going to fall off naturally. If you have to touch it to the edge of the ashtray to knock the ash off, you're ashing too quick. Yeah. Take your time. Wait for it to naturally fall off. Don't go so far that it drops into your lap, burns a hole into your double Windsor knot. <laughs> but if, I'm, if I've got a double Windsor on my lap, then I'm doing something wrong, or I'm in a club that I don't need to be in. <laughs> You've tied it entirely too long. <laughs> but I am interested, I'll be interested when these um, Vysol cases hit the brick and mortars. I don't know if they ever will at that price tag. I don't know if there will be enough owners that will be willing to take that chance. There will. There there absolutely will. Um, I my my mind immediately goes to um, Scottish Tobacco in Atlanta or uh, Uptown's here. I can think of, and I've been in other shops in various places. I I can definitely see the the demographic supporting that in a brick and mortar shop. It, it, yeah, it does. Rec- basically, anywhere that sells Dupont could get away with um, Bellmead. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, and they'll have a $200 Davidoff punch there, which, by the way, is a really nice punch. Mm-hmm. And people buy them. Not all the time, but they do. The problem with a, with a $200 punch for me is I'm prone to lose more accessories than I ever wear out. So it, having a $200 punch, is a, that's a pretty big risk for me. And as I've said before, it's just like sunglasses. If you spend $100 on a lighter... And $10 on a lighter at the same time, you will have the $10 lighter 10 times longer than you will that $100 lighter. Yeah, it's just, it's the nature of the beast. I don't... So, for a second, let's stop. I want to talk about a high-end cigar bar versus a standard cigar bar. Um, I've been to several really high-end cigar lounges, um, you know, Burns and Chattanooga was when we went to the private lounge of it. It was really nice. Locally, our I guess our most high-end place would be Uptowns and Green Hills. I would say, in, in terms of appearance, I would say that's probably right. And then you have your local cigar lounges, which have a lot of atmosphere, and it's, to me, seems like a better place to sit and watch a football game. Well, I want to I want to talk definitions here for a second, just because I hear these things used interchangeably, and I, I just want to make sure that we're all on the same page. Is I I draw a distinction between a cigar bar and a cigar lounge or a cigar shop. Um, cigar lounge and shop I use pretty much interchangeably. That's a place with a walk-in humidor, usually one or more TVs on the wall, and a couple of leather chairs and other types of seating. That, to me, is a cigar shop, a cigar lounge, may or may not sell alcohol. The difference in a cigar bar and a cigar lounge, to me, is a cigar bar is typically going to charge more than Keystone. So, just a little behind the scenes here, most retail shops, Keystone markup means that they paid 50% of retail for that. Now, 
the individual retail shop owner gets to set their prices. So they buy it for $5 a stick. Keystone would be you pay $10. But in a cigar bar, I find I'm more likely to pay $15 or $20 for that same cigar. And typically the emphasis is going to be on alcohol rather than, so you may have a cabinet humidor or you may have a cigar menu as opposed to a walk-in or that walk-in may have a lock on it or something you they may have a sherpa that follows you in it so to me those are and and also the lighting you know cigar bar usually may have a tv may not and is more dimly lit it's going to be a little bit quieter i tend to find um but that's just so as far as definitions go when i'm thinking cigar bar i'm thinking a bar that happens to sell cigars and the cigars are usually inflated in price versus a cigar lounge yeah cigar lounge is going to have a walk-in humidor and to me has to seat at least 20 people Um, a cigar bar that you know don't really have a designated leather chair seating area and all that so i do think that is a good distinction and then i think where you go from the lounge to the higher end lounge is where the people with the, the people working there are willing to cut your cigar and assist in lighting and things like that. Service level, absolutely. And you know, you pay a little more, but you get a little more. That's the way it works. And you're also going to find in the higher end shops where people are willing to pay a little bit more for a little bit nicer experience. The cigars may not necessarily be marked up. They may just be nicer. You know, your Davidoffs, your um, Padron Anniversary Series. They're going to lean heavier on those end of the cigar. You're not going to see as many general products or as many Perdomo, for example. And I do want to do it a little earlier in the show because I have another topic I want us to get to. But I'm very excited about our Cigar Under 8 this week. Um, it's a cigar that I recently stumbled upon that I just I really want to talk about this. It's the surrogate animal cracker. Animal crackers <laughs> in my soup. It's really a it's a unique looking cigar in that the it's a Churchill size, but the end is somewhat tapered. Okay. And there's a for some reason there's a skeleton of a camel on the label. I have no idea how that plays into the animal cracker. Maybe they killed Joe. They could have. These are actually made in the My Father factory. Okay, I'm in. And Say no more. I'm in. Yeah, just a, a great cigar. I picked up a couple of them before the cruise. They uh, The wrapper is an Ecuadorian Habano Oscuro, but the binder and filler is Nicaraguan. Um, the MSRP on these, okay, I'm cheating a little. This is $8.25. Okay. But, hey, if a quarter breaks you, go ahead and go for the brick house. <laughs> you know, but this cigar is well worth the extra quarter. I, I was surprised, and I don't, and it was a smaller cigar than what I'm used to smoking. The ones that I was smoking were actually the 5.5 by 50 as opposed to the 6 by 60. Okay. But um, the flavor more than made up for it. Do we know what different... You said there's a 5x50. Are there What sizes does it come in? Do we know? There is a 6x60 offered in it. I haven't found one in a brick and mortar yet. The Petite is a 4.5x38, so it's a much That's smaller a smoke. Yeah. But this 5x50, it's still a 45-minute to a one-hour smoke. So that, that Petite is, sounds like it'd be a good lunch-hour smoke. Yeah, if you want to grab a quick one and you don't want to have a lot of money invested in it, it's a great cigar for that. 
but I can't say enough about the flavors in this cigar. Um, real earthy, not as much traditional tobacco, no pepper. Okay. But it had a lot of complexity to it, which I really enjoyed. And it's unusual because usually when it comes out of the My Father factory, you're going to deal with a lot of pepper. Yeah. At the very least, spice. Yeah, but this one, just a great cigar. This is that perfect cigar if you have a friend who has been smoking the Olivas and the more Connecticut's and they're ready to step up to that next level of cigar, grab them an animal cracker. You won't break their bank and they'll be able to step up to a cigar with a lot of flavor. And I wonder, you know, you mentioned something that kind of piqued my interest a little bit, that you haven't been able to find the 6x60 in a brick and mortar have you noticed fewer of those? I feel like that trend is starting to wane a little bit. I am not seeing nearly as many 6x60s as I did two years ago. Yeah, I think the big cigar trend is kind of waning, and I think it's, um, I, I attribute it to the vast number of new cigar smokers that we have coming in. You know, there is a, a boom in the cigar industry right now, and I think the new cigar smokers are a little more intimidated by the large cigar than they would be the smaller ring gauge. I think that makes a lot of sense, but I also think, you know, I just, it, I think it was a trend that we saw, kind of like, um, kind of like we saw with the, the dark fire tobacco that we were seeing Lucia did one after the fire cured and then now we're seeing more people branch out with it I think I think there will be a market correction when it comes to size I just really hope that it doesn't overcorrect which the industry does have a tendency to do they do and at the end of the day one of the most important things you can be doing is talking to the owner of the lounge that you frequent you know you have a home lounge Speak with the owner and say, hey, you know, I'm, I really like this cigar, but I would like it better if it was a little bigger. Nine times out of ten, he'll look in his, you know, his order book and he can find one of a little larger size in that same blend. Right. One of the things that I'm surprised we haven't seen as much of uh, that I really thought was a trend that was about to start up. It doesn't look like it's going to, so I missed the mark on that one. I'm glad I didn't put any money on it. Um, is, is, is the people making like Illusione does with one blend in one size. Right. They're I, doing multiple blends in multiple sizes. I really th- I really thought that was going to be something that we saw more and more of, but it looks like it's not going that way, which is good because I don't always like... Sometimes I'll really like the blend of a cigar, but I won't like the fact that it's box-pressed, or I won't like the fact that it only comes in a petite Corona, for example. Well, and the... Once you, So, when you're talking about the defining characteristics of a cigar, size is king when it comes down to the flavor of your cigar. I believe a bigger cigar is more prone to have a more complex flavor. I, I think so, too, but I think you get to an area of diminishing returns, specifically that 6x60. I think, any, I think you really start to see a fall-off there. But or I think you see a taper at six by sixty, but past that, I think it falls off a cliff, and I think you lose so much complexity, and and so I just really think it, it's that to me it's Churchill to Toro is kind of the the sweet spot in terms of ring gauge and getting the most flavor out of that cigar. Yeah, and the 50, you know fifty two to fifty eight kind of. We've spoke about the Camacho BXP, their new box pest product. 
And the box press, to me, is the shape that cigar should have always been. I completely agree. Um, I am having more tendency, as you do of a box press, you have to do a little more maintenance to keep it burning even. Mm-hmm. It's As I've said many times before, it is not uh, ideal for smoking in the car. And kind of going back to our, our whole ash, you know, building up in ash versus ashing too quickly, I'm noticing that I'm guilty of that more often than not. And I think it comes from, you mentioned waiting till it's almost about to fall off on its own. You do that in a car, you're going to end up with it all in your face. And so I kind of developed that habit of ashing pretty quickly out the window just to keep it from, from building up and falling off. So it's something I'm going to have to work on. Well, and it, all of these, there's cigar skills. We could do a whole podcast on cigar skills. Um, so to get the maximum effect out of your smoke, it should smolder. Yeah. It should not burn. You you don't want your cigar lit too hot. I think the number one mistake young cigar smokers make is they do light it too hot. They freight train it. They just sit there and puff on it like they see in the movies. Uh, one of the other things, as much as I think it's a really stupid idea, and I probably shouldn't say that because it's going to alienate some people, is, but along those lines, is the Cigar Smoking World Championships. Have you heard of this? I have not. All right. So there's, uh, it's, it's only been around for a few years. And basically, the Cigar Smoking World Championships is you're given a, it's usually like a petite Corona or a, a smaller c- cigar. And the goal is you get two matches and you're not allowed to blow on the foot. And it's to keep that cigar smoking for as long as possible. So you get two cigars to get the cigar lit. Once it's lit, even if you use just one match to do that, there's no relights, no touch-ups. So the goal is to smoke it as slowly as possible. And while I think this is kind of a silly thing, in from a, I mean, yes, I'm all for competition and in cigars. That's pretty much the other that other than that, and maybe seeing who can smoke the most diggers back to back. Um, there's really not a whole lot of avenues, so I think that's the way to go if you're going to try and find a cigar competition. But to your point on s- smoking it slowly and tending to it and letting it smolder, I think that's you know do some research, look that up a little bit, and see some of the guys who've competed and look at the size of cigars that they're smoking and how long they're able to keep them lit. It'll kind of give you an idea for that's definitely the extreme of that side, but it kind of gives you an idea of what's possible. Now. Do you rotate your cigar as you smoke it? Yes, I do. I think that's the key to keep an even burn. I find if I do a V-cut, I rotate far more often than if I do a straight cut. See, I have the exact opposite, which is I tend with a V-cut to just rotate it 180 degrees. Whereas with a a regular just round cigar, I'll sit there and, and just roll it, you know, varying degrees at a time. Now, if you're, get, if you're in the Cigar World Championship and you get a stem, do you get to do a redo? No. See, the stem is the bane of my cigar existence. Um, a cigar, if I'm smoking it and I get a stem of the tobacco leaf, I tend to that tends to bring down the overall rating of that cigar for me. Well, certainly. Uh, just because it affects your ability to get a good draw um, for an even burn, all of those kinds of things. Now, I also tend to massage my cigar as I smoke it. I do that with box presses. 
So especially a firmer box press like the Olivas, where they're, I mean, they're still a lighter rolled cigar, but that box press is a very firmly pressed box press. I'll sit there and I'll massage it throughout smoking it, and it'll eventually loosen up to the point where the um, the part of the cigar that I'm smoking tends to loosen up and get a little bit more round. Now, do you change the way you smoke it when you punch it as opposed to cutting it? I can't tell you the last time I punched a cigar. You don't punch? Not really. Uh, I'm a lot like Mayweather in that regard. Hey, topical. Uh, I just, I find, so I used to have a Zycar punch that I really liked that was 11 millimeters across. And so it was a big punch. Uh, the only other company making one close to that size is Calibri's at 10 mils. And I do like that if I'm going to punch, I want it to be big enough that I don't feel like I'm throttling the cigar. But I, I just don't feel like I get enough draw when I punch a cigar. See, if I smoke a box press, I have to punch it. I absolutely cannot smoke a box press where I have straight cut or V-cut it. I just, it's not in my skill set to be able to do that as well. So... When you're smoking your cigar, just take the time and really play with it. See what works, what works for for your line of thinking and what your touch feels like. Well, and you've also got to remember that you know we're coming into this discussion with a combined you know 20 plus years of cigar smoking, so we've had time to get it right. We've had time to know what we like and kind of develop our habits and, and things like that. What works for me may not work for someone else. I know. Like, perfect example is the chisel by LFD. I know plenty of people that punch the top and bottom. I know plenty of people that uh, straight cut it. Some some just squeeze the tip to break open the cap. Uh, I've talked in the past before, and when we get Sean Hardiman on the show, we're going to have to talk to him about um, the day we created the platypus. Because I've been telling everybody that he and I invented this together and I, I, I need him to corroborate the story on air so that we have proof of it uh, but basically that's a v-cut but it's longitudinal so it it cuts across the flat side so it does create kind of like a platypus bill so there's a myriad of different ways to cut any given cigar and it's all about just finding what you think is best well and the if you happen to have the Calibri deep V cut which is to me the that's the quintessential V cut. Zycar has one but it kind of just scratches the wrapper more so than cutting it. Um, I always love to cut my torpedoes with that deep V because then you do get some semblance of that platypus that you're talking about. Right, absolutely. So coming through the cigars um, what's what's the best cigar you smoked this week? What has been really good to you this week? So this week I smoked, see you always do this to me without prepping it. So now I've got to go back through my head and think about what I've been smoking this week. And I, I, I will say I had a great night last night. I got a call from my mom and she was in town and she wanted to go out for dinner. Uh, so I went and had a nice dinner with my mom and, and it was only about eight o'clock by the time we finished that up. And so I was like, you know, it's, it's a little early for me to go home. And I want to go post up at, at Reserva, and, and I just grabbed my go-to Tennessee Waltz. And it was, you know, it's, it's been a great week for me already, and so I was just in a good mood. I was relaxed. I was full. And I just, just took my time with that Tennessee Waltz and really enjoyed it. Well, the reason I ask that question is right now we're at such a change in the seasons. I find my palate has started changing. 
it's it's kind of like I'm I'm shedding my winter palette is coming in. Yeah. You know, my winter coat is coming on and my winter palette is coming in and I tend to be liking a lot more um, darker, richer cigars. Normally, I would smoke a Brickhouse Connecticut, but tonight I reached for the Maduro. Yeah. And uh, it's interesting how the seasons change, and it really affects what I smoke. And I often wonder if, because I am, as we've talked in, in at the beginning of the year, it's been several episodes ago, uh, the different types of cigar smokers. And we talked about the monogamous cigar smoker. And while I'm not a monogamous cigar smoker, I'm definitely a serial monogamous. And so I will re- reach for either the Camacho Ecuador BXP right now, the Padron 4000, or the um, Tennessee Waltz. And that's pretty much what I'm smoking these days, just in depending on what time of day it is and this, this and that and the other. Also, also I have smoked a couple of A.J. Fernandez lately. And that I think, all right, if I'm really thinking about it, to your point, fall and those, you know, you get that increase of spice. You know, we get, you know, pumpkin spice will hit everything starting Friday. And so... As we get into that, the fact that A.J. Fernandez, every time you just you cold draw that cigar and you can feel the spice hit your mouth, and I have been enjoying a few more of those lately. So I guess that, to your point, is probably probably that change in season for me. Well, and knowing your palate, um, I'm uh, in the process. Excuse me for a moment. <coughs> I'm in the process of a new cigar smoker bringing him into the world of cigars. He actually started playing poker with us and had a couple of weeks of good runs and won a pretty good variety of cigars. Is this the guy that tagged you on Facebook today? Yeah. All right. Um, He won a variety of cigars, and I find myself kind of tutoring him of, okay, now this is a good mild cigar. This is where you need to start. But the most important part, and Austin and I actually sat with him for a little while last night after the game, and that's what one of the great points Austin brought up was... You need to learn your palate. Don't worry about whether you like Maduro, Connecticut, Sumatra. Don't worry so much about the technical aspects till you really get to know your palate. Yeah, just try try a little bit of everything until you find what what hits you what hits you right. Well, and he's a cigarette smoker, so he already has kind of a harder time smoking cigars because he has to fight that desire to inhale. Right. So it's been interesting. It's, it's actually helped me to kind of reanalyze my palate as I've been walking through and kind of analyzing his with him. Gotcha. Well, that's a great top tip to go out on tonight, I think. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening and remind you that we'd love to hear from you. If you do want to reach out, uh, you can always drop us a line at info at thecigarcast.com if you prefer email. We're on facebook.com slash thecigarcast. And, of course, Instagram and Twitter at thecigarcast. Well, everyone, have a good cigar this week. Think well of us and enjoy yourself. Mm-hmm.